I encourage you to take out your notes today. We've got two pages. One has some graphs and pictures on it, and another one has some notes. So I encourage you to pull those out. This is our vision sermon. We try to do this twice a year. Uh, we wait until after we meet with our ministry team leaders, and we did that on January 22nd. And so this is one of two Sundays where we remind ourselves of what our purpose is. Why do we gather here at Pleasant View Baptist Church? Why specifically this church, and what is our vision, what's our purpose, and all those things. Next week, we'll get back to 1 Peter chapter 3, looking forward to getting back to expository preaching, verse by verse. And we haven't done that since uh, mid-November, so we'll continue on with 1 Peter 3 into 2 Peter this year. But today, I encourage you to take out your Bible. Turn over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. As we look at a few verses from that famous Hall of Faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, as we sung about, as we talk about faith today, and anytime we look to the future, we have to do that by faith, trusting in what God's going to do in his time and his way. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. The writer says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation, because they had faith. Verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Verse 5, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And may God in his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. Our purpose here is that for every Christ follower who's part of a local church, I call it a, a local franchise, is to understand its purpose and vision and strive to do their part to make it a church as much like Christ as possible. But we do that today by beginning to understand the times and understand our community. Now, I'm a big numbers person, and some of you in this room are, and maybe many of you aren't. But I think that as we look at these numbers, it represents souls who are going to spend eternity somewhere, and we need to understand uh, what our community is all about. And so the 2020 census tells us that in Bettendorf, there are 39,102 people who lived here as of that time. Bettendorf is the 15th most populated city in the state of Iowa out of 1,008 cities. And our church reaches to those in Pleasant Valley, LeClaire, and East Davenport as well, and sometimes even across the river in Port Byron and Hampton. But look at the screen. Notice the religion in Scott County, Iowa. 49% of the people in Scott County consider themselves religious. Notice that number, 49%. 2.6% are Baptist, 0.7% are Episcopalian. Catholics are the largest group, 188 10.2% are Lutheran. Nearly 5% are Methodist, 1.4% are Pentecostal, and 2.6% are Presbyterian. 
0.9% identify as Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ. 6% are another Christian faith, 0.3% are Jewish, and 0%, at least there's not enough to count, statistically uh, follow Eastern faiths. 0.2% affiliate with the Muslims or Islam, the Islam religion. But I want you to see this next picture up on the screen, if you would, if you put that up, the next graph, the next slide. I want you to notice that purple area on that slide. That represents 51% of the people in our county that do not consider themselves religious at all. Some of them would consider themselves nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Some would say that they are spiritual, but they don't practice in some kind of institutional religion of any kind. So that means on a given uh, Sunday, roughly about 49%, about half of Scott County goes to some kind of church, or at least throughout that week. But think about that, 51% of our neighbors and our friends around us aren't associated with anything and uh, don't have any religious connection at all. According to the Barna Research Group, a study in 2019 talking about the most post-Christian cities or the most secular cities in America, do you realize that the Quad Cities is the 15th most post-Christian or secular cities in the country? And here's the six questions that they ask as a sample, just so you get a feel for what people responded to and how they uh, figured out this research. First of all, six questions were asked to be listed in the report. How many of you have not read the Bible in the last week, have not attended a church in the last six months, have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, have not prayed to God in the last week, disagree that faith is important in their lives, do not believe in God. Think about that. For all the cities across the country, we're in the top 20, 15. This is yours and my mission field. So now I want you to take out that paper it has our mission statement, our church statements and values, and understand as we live in this community in this time, the latest figures that we have, what are we to do as a church and who are we? How do we describe ourselves to the community? Well, our purpose statement, and it's not on the screen, you gotta look at your paper for this. It says, the purpose statement at Pleasant View Baptist Church, we believe according to God's word, our purpose in life is to worship and glorify God and to share the good news of God's love in Christ Jesus with the world beginning with the people of our community. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will seek to lead people to conversion, to baptism, and to a maturing relationship with Jesus Christ through worship, through outreach, discipleship, fellowship, and service. Our vision statement, as you see there in your notes, Pleasant View Baptist Church is a multi-generational family of believers in Jesus Christ, seeking to connect others to God and his family, striving to grow spiritually and relationally and finding our places of serving God in his church in our communities and in the world. So connecting people with God and his family, growing spiritually and relationally, serving God in our church and our community around the world. And that's why we've been ending our services for over a year now, reminding ourselves of what our vision is. And it breaks down to three words that you can remember, connecting, growing, and serving. And many years ago, as I unearthed some archive papers of the church, 
we found these were the core values of the founding members of our church. And they are so well written. And they're so descriptive of our church. And so here, here are the core values. We, the congregation of Pleasant View Baptist Church, hold these following core values. Number one, we believe in gathering together for worship. That's important. That's number one. And for those that are still at home and joining us by live stream, we look forward to the day where you will be back here with us in person. Every week we see more people coming back from uh, after, as COVID is waning. And so we're grateful for that. But gathering together in corporate worship. Number two, we believe the integrity of our individual lives is shown in biblical principles and our personal commitment and accountability to God. What does that mean? That means that when we read the word of God, we go out and we try to practice it to the best of our ability. And then we're accountable to one another to make sure that we do that. That is a very important core value, very well written. Number three, we believe in the discipleship and equipping of every believer. And number four, we believe in the discipleship of, discipleship of children and youth. And for many, many years, this church has been known in the community for Awana and for youth group. And Pastor Mike was here 14 years, right, as the youth pastor. And Awana had sometimes up to 70 kids, and they used the facilities across the street for their game time. And so that is one thing our church has been known for in the community, and we want to continue to be strong in that. Number five, we believe in holding to biblically sound teaching, preaching, and authority in our individual and corporate lives. We take the word of God seriously, and we want to live it out, not just to be hearers, but doers of the word. Number six, we believe in encouraging and providing opportunities for individual and corporate prayer. And I'm so grateful that our church is a praying church. I'm so grateful that people send us continually prayer requests inside our church and for family members, even outside of our church. And that we have all kinds of ways that we get the word out to pray. And then we practice that in our men's group, in our connect groups, and so on. Number seven, we believe in being a church family that shows love and concern for others in our words and our actions. Serve Sunday is just one example of that, where we gather on the first Sunday of May, we come for a short service, and then from 10 to 12, our worship is out in the community as we uh, go out and serve with no strings attached to let people know the love of God through our words and our actions. And number eight, we believe in supporting mission work financially and with personal involvement. And there have been many years that people have gone out from this church on short-term missions trips. And we're looking for opportunities to do that here in the near future as travel becomes available once again. I encourage you to look at the chart with the five circles, if you would. It's got five words there. We share this at all of our uh, church membership classes. <clears throat> and I want to remind you of what we are trying to accomplish. And here's a simple way to look at it. You see, first of all, the purple circle is community. That's the people at large, the people I just described here in the introduction, the 51% that are out there. The crowd are those who may come at Christmas and Easter and occasionally just to be curious or come with family just to check us out. You see the congregation, the green, that, those are the people that are members of the church family who attend regularly, 
who have become, some of them have become members of this church after getting baptized. And then we see the, the congregation or the committed people, the yellow one, the committed. Those are the ones who use their spiritual gifts and are involved in ministry throughout our church. And then the core, that's the leadership. Those are the elders, the deacons, the deaconesses. That's the ministry team leaders. And so what our goal is here at the church through our pastor and elders is to move people from community all the way to core. That doesn't mean everybody's going to serve in leadership, but the goal of maturity can be found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus where it talks about what it would look like to be an elder or a deacon or a deaconess. And that is what uh, a mature believer in Christ would look like. Whether they're in leadership or not, we're moving people to maturity. So where have we been in 2021? As we kind of quickly review some of the highlights from last year. We dealt with the effects of COVID throughout the year in varying degrees. Most people have been attending, but we still have a number of people, as I mentioned, who've yet to return in person. And the live stream on YouTube has proven to be a powerful tool to reach new people and also to keep connected our people who haven't yet returned here in person. At the beginning of the spring, I made a very special emphasis on rebuilding and reigniting community here in our church. And so we had fire and fellowship. We had movie night. We did different things where we could just gather together and hang out and spend time together and just get reacquainted since we've been separated and isolated for a long period of time. And from what I've seen and heard from people, that's been very, very beneficial. We had a very successful vacation Bible school in August. It's paid a great benefit with kids coming to Iwana as a result and some coming to faith in Christ. We changed up the connect groups and moved away from life stage to an intergenerational approach. We continue to monitor, monitor what ministries and programs we can and cannot do since we have a limited number of volunteers. And Celebrate Recovery, which Chris Heddington's a part of, um, has started, started up in September and has really taken off rapidly. It's exciting to come here on uh, Monday night. And Nick over here leads the worship band and uh, to see the energy in this room and to see needs being met from people all across our community. We've seen a lot of numerical and spiritual growth in the last quarter of 2021 into this new year. And the people have been coming to in-person worship are telling me that they are experiencing God in new and fresh ways. And uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about the messages that have been preached and the music and how uh, the Spirit of God is working in their lives. So where are we headed in this new year? They're already in, a month into the new year. It's hard to believe. Well, in progress <clears throat> from last year, back in October, we reconvened the remodel project. The carpet that's on the floor is 53, I'm sorry, it's 23 years old, 23 years old. And so one of the things that we've been talking about for a couple of years is replacing the carpet. Well, you know, it's like at your house, you tear up the carpet, you got to tear up everything else. So you may as well do other things, right? And so the remodel team is in the process of uh, meeting with an interior design person and going through our building and uh, setting up some opportunities to make this the goal is to make it a warm atmosphere for us to worship, but also a warm experience for those who come in outside of our church to uh, worship with us and meet us for the first time. So we're working on the remodel project and, and not too 
near distant future, you will be getting some information and sketches and prices and all the things that will be involved for a capital campaign coming up soon. Well, the live stream project, what can I say about that? We thought that was going to be done a long time ago, but it's still in process. And it seems like uh, every time we inch closer, we run into some other hurdles that we didn't expect. And so uh, we're getting close on that, but I'm excited because the people at home, or whenever you watch this, it'll have the lyrics in real time on the bottom of the screen. You'll have the slides for the sermons, any videos, full screen on your device. And so we're moving toward that very quickly. Here's some goals from our ministry team leaders meeting on January 22nd. Um, every five years, it was uh, set up that the pastor would take a month off for a sabbatical. And so I did that in year six because in year five, we were bringing on a new associate. This is now year 13, so I'm going to take a month off in July. And uh, we'll tell you more about that, but that's not a month of vacation it's time for the pastor to re-energize, to refocus, and to study a particular subject. And it's also a time for our church to have some different voices speak from the pulpit with a plan, with an intent during that month of July. Another goal we came up with is the men's ministry. We want to see that grow in number on Thursday nights and men's breakfast on the second Saturday of the month. Currently, Mike Myers is leading us in a study through the book of Psalms. And so they're kind of standalone. So we encourage our men to come. You can come at any time and jump in at 7.30 on Thursday nights. And we want to see that uh, accountability and that vulnerability and that networking continue to expand with more men in the group. One of the things that came out of that meeting was to develop a women's group that's similar to the men's group. And there's been a lot of talk about how that would be done and when it would occur. And so you can pray about that. It's also asking God to bring in new families with children and people of all ages. Um, and we're seeing that and experiencing that. And then one of the things that came up is we want to do a first responder service sometime this spring to honor those who've uh, been so faithful through the time of COVID and to take care of the needs of people in our community and just have a time for them to come in and we honor them and share music and maybe have a few worship nights on Sunday afternoons or sometime throughout the next year. Up on the screen, you'll see a notice, though, the Vacation Bible School is coming. The dates are June 13th to the 18th, and the title is Zoomerang, and it's talking about the sanctity of life, but not in the way you would think. It's more about, if I'm correct, Janice, we talk about the value and the worth of the person and how God views you and sees you. And so that's going to be an exciting time that we'll be sharing together June 13th through the 18th. So let's spend a few minutes fleshing out our vision statement that we looked at earlier in the service. So I encourage you to take out the notes on the second page, and they'll start out with who we seek to become. <clears throat> but just to remind us of our vision statement, Pleasant View Baptist Church is a multi-generational family of believers in Jesus Christ, seeking to connect others to God and his family, striving to grow spiritually and relationally, and finding our places of serving God in his church, in our communities, and in the world. So who is it that we seek to become? First of all, multi-generational. We're just going to break this vision statement down in pieces today. Multi-generational. The church 
Every church goes through cycles of different ages of people at different times. And the leaders continue to work hard to have a vision to reach all people in the community. But we do take note that when a section of an age group is low in numbers in our church, we begin to pray and strategize and think of ways to reach out to that particular group of people in our community. We went to connect groups that are intergenerational and for good reason. That way we have people who are uh, mature in the faith, who've been believers for a longer period of time and have experienced life. And then we bring in younger people who uh, haven't been saved quite as long and are experiencing life in a different stage. And we share those experiences together. Uh, those that are older are experiencing a lot of interesting things from the younger generation, learning more about them and their culture. But also the older generation is able to speak into the lives of the younger and mentor them and give them advice and counsel. And so that's why we have connect groups that are now intergenerational. Just remember this, young people are not the church of tomorrow, they are the church of today. There's much an important part of our church as anyone else. And so we, we look to them and we, we want to uh, uh, pass the baton of leadership onto the younger generation. We need all ages to mix well with one another as part of God's family. And that leads us to our next blank, and it's the church is a family. It's a family. And often when I write a blog or whatever, I always refer to our church as a family because that's what we truly are. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all. Notice what Paul says there in verse 2. He talks about verses 2 and 3. With the attitude that we're supposed to have, we are to maintain unity. Unity among believers is already assumed once you become a believer in Christ. It's not something you have to work up. It's part of the spirit indwelling you, of being born again and being part of a local church. And we maintain that unity by working toward a bond of peace. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Strive to get along with people in the church family and, and always supporting the common good as we build each other up in the faith. As a family, we are forgiving, we're gentle, we're humble, we're kind with one another. We all realize that in most families there are unique people. Every one of us has a cousin Eddie in their family if you've seen Christmas Vacation. Or you may be cousin Eddie, I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, we all have those people that, you know, just don't quite jive with how we think. But we love them, and we're there for them, and we get along with them. In Romans 12, 18, it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As a reminder, this doesn't mean that we suck it up and avoid conflict, but when confrontation is necessary, we come at the approach of the Bible and what Jesus said in a loving way to deal with the difficulties, to work through the issues. Sometimes conflict can bring a closeness to the relationship that would have never happened without conflict. And those who are married here and have gone through some marital conflict, you can attest to that, that sometimes that builds the relationship. 
that improves the communication and that creates more understanding with your spouse and so it is with the family. This does not mean that we're seeking drama for drama's sake. It means sometimes we have to learn to overlook someone's sin. But if it bothers us enough, then we need to follow Matthew 18 and go and talk to that person and seek reconciliation and grant forgiveness or uh, receive forgiveness, whichever the situation is as you meet with that person. But we need to deal with conflict in a biblical way, just like Christ would have done. The next blank, there's believers in Jesus Christ. Believers in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 4 says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. We're all united because we're born again, because we have a relationship with Christ, because the Holy Spirit indwells us. And in Romans 8, it talks about how we, we sense with someone who's a believer that bond of the spirit with one another. We're reminded of what the New Testament church is all about. Here's my definition, it's up on the screen. It's pretty long so you can't write it down, but the church is a dynamic group of called out, ecclesia, and that's the Greek word. Ecclesia means a called out assembly. That was a secular term, and they would call out assemblies for various things, but the church specifically is a called out group of born again, baptized people who assemble together and go out individually to glorify God through worship, to fulfill the two ordinances of the church, one we did today, the Lord's Supper, the other baptism, to equip believers to grow and serve the Lord through their spiritual gifts, to fulfill the great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself, the great commission, as we quote at the end of the service, with the goal of bringing people to a mature relationship in Jesus Christ. That's what a local New Testament church is all about. And there's two churches in the Bible, two churches. There's the universal church. This is the church at large. This is uh, made up of all the born again believers all across the globe. And then there's the local church, or as I call them, the franchises, the local place of assembly where we have these different things within our community, Bible believing churches. So most importantly, the church is a family, whether it's a mega church, whether it's a medium-sized church or a small church. And I've been in all those things. When we first became believers in Christ, we were in a church of 100. And then we moved to Virginia, and all of a sudden, we were in a church of 12,000. And that was like eye-opening, going from that to that. And uh, in a Sunday school class of 100 people, that's where I met my wife, in that mega church. And then, since then, we've been in medium and small churches. But the important thing is that we're there for each other, no matter the size of the church. We can agree to disagree on our convictions and our preferences, but not the fundamentals of the faith. We pray for one another. We meet the needs of one another. We step in to help serve one another. We love one another. We serve alongside one another for the building up of the believers in Christ. Again, that's one of the main purposes of the church. And so here's our application. May we continue to learn and work at relating well to one another, much like a healthy and biblical family relates to each other. May we continue to learn and work at relating well to one another, much like a healthy and biblical family relates to each other. That's what we're seeking through the Spirit of God to become as a church family, 
Now we need to talk about how we're going to flesh that out, how we continually live that out in a practical way. How we live it out under there, you see, connecting people with God, connecting people with God and his family. In other words, how are we making disciple makers here at Pleasant View Baptist Church? How are we growing people to maturity in their walk with Christ? And again, look at that page with the diagrams on it and just refer back to the five circles. And again, we're trying to move people by sharing the good news of Christ, by loving on them and bringing them uh, to a mature walk with Christ, moving toward the center of that circle. And then you see the other picture. You guys having trouble getting the pictures up? Okay. Well, you got it on your thing here. So the second one is the process of assimilation. We talked about this in our, there we go. We talked about this in our ministry team leaders meeting. And this is a diagram. It shows you um, all the, some of the different ways. There's many more ways that we connect with people out in the community or we invite people to come to our church, that's the top of the funnel, and the entry levels, the entry ways to the gospel and to our church community. And then they build a church connection. They get to know a few people. Then we see church membership and service, and they uh, join the church. They get baptized. They start ministering, and they get to uh, mature more in their walk. And then again, church leadership. It's just a different way of looking at the five circles. But you see how the entry points are that we invite people to come and to check out our church and to check out about being a believer in Jesus Christ. And then connecting people with God and his family. Back to your outline. We're done with those diagrams. Connecting people with God and his family. His family. We've already talked about that in John 1.12. But to all who did receive Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And when we say connecting with one another, it means to get to know one another, to meet them, to learn people's names in the church family, to find out enough about that person to maybe uh, engage in a conversation down the road. Where do they work? How many kids do they have? Where do they live? And build a relationship beyond the superficial. That's so important. Making the effort to get to know people in the church family that you do not know well. And then growing spiritually, growing spiritually and relationally, growing spiritually and relationally. Colossians 1.27, it says, Paul said to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And verse 28 is so important. This is the goal of our leadership, of our church. Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's our goal, to give you all the resources and the means and the ability through the preaching and teaching in all kinds of ways to help you become mature in Christ. That's why the elders and deacons and deaconesses and ministry leaders gather together and pray and seek God and what we can do to help that to happen. The role of the pastor and the elders is to shepherd the flock, to care for the needs. 1 Peter 5 says to feed the flock, to give out the word of God, unadulterated, unfiltered, so you can grow in the faith, that the spirit can speak to you. 
The elders and leaders are to pastors to protect the flock from false teaching, to build up the flock by providing ways to take steps of faith and grow deeper in the walk of Christ on your journey. It's to provide the whole counsel of God from this pulpit and the places of teaching and then practice it in a loving way no matter how it is received. That's important. We're here to do and speak the truth in love and show grace, but we have to stay to the whole counsel of the word of God. And also the elders and the pastor are to equip the saints to carry out the work of the ministry. Just some of the things, the responsibilities that the elders and the, and the uh, pastor are responsible for. And then growing spiritually and relationally. Relationally is the key word there. Relationally. Ephesians 2 says, for through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. He's speaking to the Gentiles and the Jews here. The Gentiles are becoming believers in Christ, and so are the Jews, and they're forming this New Testament church. <clears throat> and they had a lot of animosity and prejudice against one another. And he's speaking to them as they become a family, unified in the spirit. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Verse 19, you're no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens. You're not believers in Christ. You're fellow citizens. You're part of the household of faith, Paul is saying there. And you're built on the same foundation, the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. And of course, Christ being that foundation. And then you grow together, as it says there in verses 21 and 22, to become mature and build this holy dwelling to be like Christ. What an exciting time we live in. We're adding chapters to the book of Acts as the church goes through history. We're building on the foundation of the New Testament, the apostles, and the teaching of the Old Testament prophets. We're building on the shoulders of those who've gone before us in church history. We're staying true and faithful to God's word in this current cultural climate. And we are keeping the faith that was common salvation for the early church. Isn't that amazing that here 2,000 and some odd years later, we're still preaching the same truths that the apostles got and received and passed on to others. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I find it necessary to write appealing to you to contend, to fight for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And that has been passed down to us, and it is our responsibility to pass it on to others and to the next generation. We get to the last part of this. It's serving God in his church, in his church, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. It says there are the believers that make up the church complement one another with their personalities and their gift mixes. I see this on Wednesday night as I'm overseeing Awana. I see all the different spiritual gifts being used. I see kids gravitate to certain leaders because they have a connection with them. 
I see it in vacation Bible school in the summertime when we have all these workers and leaders, teenagers and adults, and using their spiritual gifts, complementing one another as they walk through the week and share the gospel and help kids grow in their walk with Christ. I'm so thankful for all the spiritual gifts and talents that are in our, that are in our church family. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. As I said, some people do connect better with other people and can minister best to them. We, don't, we can't compare and be insecure about that, but it's how God made us to connect with other people. And then serving God and his church in our communities and in the world. Philippians 2, 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. We are, all, we are establishing a relationship in our community with numerous groups of people that now and when they have a need, they come to our church and other churches to see how we can help them out. <clears throat> Sometimes I as a pastor or the elders, we consider those opportunities and we decide whether we can do them or if it's gonna stretch us too thin, we pass on them. One opportunity that's been recently presented to us is the problem across the street at Pleasant View Elementary School with so many parents bringing their kids to school instead of riding the bus they have a huge traffic problem. They've had as many as 20 cars lined up on Crow Creek Road waiting to get in at the end of school. So they came and approached us and we graciously are allowing them to uh, use our parking lot and they make a semicircle around the back and sometimes they're even out down below still. But we're grateful that, they are, uh, that we can help them in this time of need. And we wanna continue to give expecting nothing in return. That's agape love the love God wants us to share with our fellow sisters and brothers in Christ and with our community where there needs to be filled. And lastly, serving God in our world, in the world. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You as a church family do an amazing job to make our missionaries feel welcome when they are here, when they're home. You help us take good care of our missionaries while they're out on the field by praying for them, by giving financially to them. You've been so faithful for many, many years, uh, supporting the same missionaries and even watching them as they go through their journey and then to retire and then the missions team taking on new missionaries. My hope is that when the pandemic becomes, a, becomes an endemic and allows for travel in a safe way, we could take a group on a short-term missions trip to a place to be determined. That's one of the ways a person grows best in ministering is when you're on the mission field working side by side with one another. Here's our application today for this point. May our church continue to be a place of transformation and community. May our church continue to be a place of transformation and community that would draw those people in who are looking for a place to be accepted and want to be treated as part of a church family. That's my prayer, that's my constant prayer as I think about our church. Here's our key thought as we close. May we take our purpose and vision and own it in order to bring others to Christ and build the believers up in a loving community. 
Own it, bring others to Christ, and build the believers up in a loving community. The Beatle, George Harrison, once said that the first really decent guitar that he owned was called the Gretsch Duo Jet. The electric guitar was manufactured by Gretsch Guitars. It was known for its trebly tone. In the early 60s, Harrison paid $200 or 70 pounds for that guitar. Early in 2011, Gresh Guitars announced that the company would manufacture a limited run of 60 exact replicas of George Harrison's Duojet guitar as a tribute to him and to that model. USA Today reported that Gresh Guitars product manager Joe Carducci says master craftsman Stephen Stern recreated the guitar precisely, replicating all the nicks and all the dings of a half century's use, even using a CAT scan to determine the semi-hollow guitar's body chambering style. The suggested retail price for this guitar, for 60 of them, $20,000 a piece. This is an expensive guitar because it's a replica of a valuable original so closely. In the same way you and I, we are to be helping people to become replicas of Jesus Christ. We're to be the lights that represent him, to live blameless and to draw people so that they will be conformed to the image of his son, to become more like him. May our church be ones who replicate who Christ is so in turn we can draw others to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the group of men and women between 2006 and 2008 were tasked with revisioning this church. And all the things that we've talked about today came out of that process over a couple year period of time with an intentional interim, with a lot of survey and prayer and study of God's word. And Lord, we're thankful that over a decade later, these principles are still working and still our goal and still our purpose. Lord, help all of us in this room to understand our vision, to own it, and to know that it's not just words on paper, but that we as elders and leaders strive to uh, filter our decisions through the word of God and through the vision for this church, that we might be all we can be to bring people to maturity in Christ. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.